0: Letter 26, the name of Hashem. It's a special letter. And the letter is essentially about Torah. We've had in this book, we've had letters about tzedakah, we've had letters about prayer. Today we get a letter about Torah, and specifically, let's call it a tale of two Torahs. The Torah of today, and the Torah of Mashiach's time and a bit of an overlap between them too. we We'll get to that at the end. The Torah of today, the Torah of Mashiach. The context of the letter is a Zohar, a piece of the Zohar. If you've ever opened up a Zohar, it's one of those books that we love to quote, but we don't usually open, because it's very hard to read. But if you literally look at the pages, the Zohar is a commentary on the Torah. That's what it is. It's a mystical commentary on the Torah. And there are different sections In the Zohar, one of the sections is called the Raya Mehemna, which literally means the trustworthy shepherd, because it's attributed to Moshe Rabbeinu. The Zohar was authored as a whole by Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, but this section is called the, the trustworthy shepherd because the faithful shepherd, because it was written by Moshe Rabbeinu. Some say most of it is a discussion of the list of the 613 mitzvahs, like what's considered a mitzvah, what's not. But sometimes it goes into a whole. Uh, topic, and this is one of them. And the Alter Rebbe, out of character, I, I would think, from my analysis, it seems um, it's quite unusual for the Alter Rebbe to do this. He literally spends a page quoting the entire Zohar, because every part is relevant. Then he spends two pages asking questions. Very unusual. Typically, it's like you know, it's a little entry point, boom, and then he gets to his point. Here, half of the letter is just the quote and the questions. Um, makes it all the more interesting, I think. So here's the Zohar. Okay, here's the piece. There is a verse in the book of Daniel, towards the end, and it describes the time of Mashiach and the prelude to the Messianic era. And here's what it says. In those times, in those days, at the very end of Galut, yitbareru v'yitlabnu. Things will be clarified. People will go through it, and it's going to come out whitened. On the other side, the Itzarfu Rabbi, many will many will become pure. The Zohar interprets that to mean people are going to go through a lot of tests. Jews are going to face a lot of challenges and opposition. The Hamaskilim, but the thinkers, the enlightened ones, Yazhiru keZohar Harakia, are going to shine like the brightness of the heaven. It mentions the word Zohar. And the Zohar talks about the Zohar. It says, this is a reference to the book of the Zohar. Many Jews will go through tests, but some enlightened Jews will taste the teachings of the Zohar. The Zohar calls it the tree of life. They're going to taste from the tree of life, and they're going to exit the Galut with the teachings of the Zohar. Because they're going to have access to Kabbalah, we're going to be able to leave the exile in peace. Says the Zohar, in our time, we have the tree of good and bad. Right? There's the two trees in the book, in the book of Genesis, right in the beginning. You have the Eitz the of the tree of life, and then the Eitz Hadat Tovara, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In our time, what rules is the tree of good and bad. But in that time, the tree of good and bad which is, says the Zohar, here's the very important words, which is the study of that which is permitted and forbidden, that which is pure and impure, essentially the body of halacha, of Jewish law, that tree will no longer rule the Jewish people, they will only be fed by the tree of life, which has no questions, no arguments, no spirit of impurity. Okay, sounds like when Mashiach comes, we're only going to learn Kabbalah. Halacha is going to go extinct, Sounds like it. We're not going to study Jewish law. That's the tree of good and bad. When Mashiach comes, you have the tree of life. Okay. Says the Zohar, an additional observation. When the tree of good and bad rules, in our times, we have two categories of people. Talmidei Chachamim, those that are the sages, and Ameh Haaretz, the people of the land, the regular folk. Huh? So Laymen. Laman. Yeah. Sages are compared to Shabbat laymen are called weekday just like shabbat you can't cook on shabbat you can only eat on shabbat that which you prepare in the weekday so in our time when the tree of good and bad rules sages don't have their own income they rely on the laymen they only get what the laymen give them when the tree of life is going to rule ah the tree of good and bad is going to be subdued the sages are not going to get any more relying on their income on the other people They're going to get fed from the tree of life, and the opposite is going to happen. The laymen are going to rely on the sages for their sustenance. And then he says, third point, the laymen are still going to have to study all the laws that apply to forbidden and permitted and impure and pure. It's not going to leave them. For them, there'll be no difference between Mashiach times and our times. They're not going to taste from the tree of life. Only the the rest of the Jewish people are going to taste from the tree of life. Okay? So a three-part thing. First of all, Kabbalah is the key to Mashiach. That's what we're going to study. There's going to be no more impure and pure halacha body. We're only going to have the tree of life. And the sustenance, the food chain is going to switch. says the Alter Rebbe. And we've seen these classes. He knows how to say it the way it is. He says, if you are chaser madah, if you lack knowledge, if you don't understand things, you can be misled to a number of conclusions from this Zohar. And you're going to think that the body, the, 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 the mainstay of Torah as we know it today, all of the Talmud that we study, all of the Halacha that we study, all of that is the tree of good and bad. There's evil mixed into it. A whole chunk, the whole chunk of Torah perhaps, is uh, related to bad stuff. That's what it appears. And that's when Mashiach comes, it goes away. And the Altar Rebbe says, like I said, two pages. He goes on and on about this, disproving this, this cannot be the case. He says, first of all, every time we raise the Torah, we all say in shul, Eitz ba. Torah is a tree of life for those who hold on to it. The entire Torah is a tree of life, not just uh, the Zohar. Matter of fact, when that verse was written, the Zohar wasn't accessible. You now The Zohar was hidden for many, many years. People didn't know about it until very, very much, much later. Even the rest of Kabbalah, which did exist, the Altar Rebbe says, it was all very, very limited. It wasn't passed on in public. People just didn't study it. Only if you were super worthy, super high stature, very wise. The Arizal writes that nowadays there's a mitzvah, in fact, it's permitted and there's a mitzvah to spread Kabbalah. But in the early days, it was actually forbidden. Rabbi Shun Bar Yochai writes in the Zohar, actually that permission was only granted for him and a couple of students to hear what he had to say. So the whole of Kabbalah was essentially a hidden wisdom from all Jewish people. Didn't, people didn't have access to it. And yet the Torah says, Eitz Chayim, it's, it's a tree of life. You know what that means? That the whole Torah is a tree of life. Not a tree of good and bad. Second of all, Al Alte says, check this out. There's a piece of Talmud which says that any sage who was Torato Umnato, He he learned Torah for a living, day and night. He never stopped learning Torah. Such sages don't have to daven. Regular people, we don't learn Torah anyway, all day, so we have to stop and daven. But these top-level sages, they don't have to daven. Rabbi Bar Yochai is used as a prime example for this. He was a guy who learned Torah day and night. He didn't daven. Now, davening is super Zoharic, super Kabbalistic. It's arranged based on the ladder of worlds and there's so many Kabbalistic elements to davening. If really, the rest of the Torah, the body of halacha, is good and bad trees, so I don't care if you're in Torah day and night, you should for sure stop to daven. Who doesn't want to have access to the Zohar, to the Tree of Life? Talmud even says there was a certain rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda, all he studied was... Dinei Mamono, legal law. Now, legal law is very, very human, subject to the human mind. There can be liars, there can be cheaters. Talmud spends pages getting into the minds of the liars. How do you know if he's a liar, right? It's much less Torah related than, let's say, kosher non-kosher, or sacrificial meat rules, or whatever. And yet, Rabbi Yehuda, who learnt only these laws, monetary legal laws. He also didn't daven. He would daven once a month, so once every 30 days. So he would review his learning. It was a lighter learning day, so he would make time to daven. But Otherwise, this guy was 24-7, engaged in Torah. He didn't daven. Can't be that bad. Studying, studying these, the, the body of Jewish law can't be that bad. Yochai, we, we, we're we're picking on him. Alter Rebbe goes further with him. You know, he has a, a big part of his life was spent in a cave. He was 13 years in a cave learning Torah. Didn't have matzah, didn't have a lulav, didn't do. He didn't have mitzvahs to do. He couldn't. He was hiding from the Romans. What was he doing? Learning Torah. Which part of Torah was he learning? The body of Jewish law or Kabbalah? Says says the Alter Rebbe. You would think it's Kabbalah. Alter Rebbe says no. And these are his words. Alter Rebbe's words. He probably finished the Zohar in two to three months. The whole of the Zohar took two to three months to compile. Abishrim Bar Yochai was a great rabbi. He didn't repeat things. He said it once, he didn't forget it. He, he went on. The majority, the vast majority of the 13 years in the cave was spent studying the depths of Jewish legal law, says the Alter Rebbe. Pilpul. Pilpul means deep analysis. Matter of fact, after he came out of the cave, there's a story where he had a student who uh, used to be super, super smart in the pre-cave days. In the post-cave era, every time this student would ask Rav Hashem Yochai a question, Rav Hashem Yochai was able to provide 24 different answers. And his student said, you know, Rabbi, it's a really big shame that you're sitting in the cave all these years and you were suffering. Probably if you didn't go to the cave, you'd be so much wiser. So Rav Hashem Yochai said just the opposite. If you hadn't seen me looking like this, looking like I suffered, I wouldn't have all the power that I do have today. So he got an incredibly deep gift into the depths of the Torah, specifically from the learning which he did in the cave. And again, he wasn't learning Kabbalah all day, he was learning Halacha. He was learning Nigla, what's called the revealed parts of the Torah. Today there's six orders of the Mishnah. There used to be 600 They had plenty of time what to do. Before Abi Huda condensed it and compiled it, it used to be a vast literature. The Talmud says, after the temple was destroyed, Hashem only has for Himself the four cubits of halacha. Hashem is found in Jewish law. So all of these things, just more and more proofs to indicate that the legalese, what seems to be the external body of the Torah, you can't just dismiss as a tovara, some good and bad tree, and not the tree of life. It's all holy, super holy, in fact. That's a question in and of itself. Just to show that you can't associate the body of Torah with good and bad. Another question the Alter Rebbe raises is, what does it actually mean that we're only going to learn Zohar when Mashiach comes? Like it's only going to be the tree of life? I mean, we're still going to need Jewish law. Classic example that Al-Turabi gives is from slaughtering animals. Everyone has to eat food. We all have to eat meat. To eat meat, you have to slaughter an animal. In slaughtering an animal, there's so many things that can go wrong. You know, you, can't, you have to slaughter this way. You have to slaughter back and forth, motion. You can't slaughter straight down with a knife. You can't uh, delay the shakhita. If you're in the middle of it, you can't pause for too long. You got to cut through. It's a whole complex set of laws how to shecht. The knife has to be uh, super, super smooth, super sharp. can't be bumpy. So al says what? When Mashiach comes, we're all going to turn magically to natural, professional, uh, ritual slaughterers, and all knives are going to stay perfect forevermore, and they're not going to have to be sharpened once in a while? Become huh? Become <laughs> of course we're going to keep on slaughtering, and we're going to keep on needing to know all the body of Jewish law. So what do you mean only Zohar is going to exist? Plus, a whole bunch of things. There's even verses that indicate that some people will die at least in the first era of Mashiach. So we're going to have to know all the laws of ritual impurity for death. Women will give birth. Even if they give birth more often, the Talmud says they're going to have one-time relations and they're going to give birth on multiple days in the same one. But still, it doesn't make a difference. At the end of the day, a woman becomes impure when she gives birth. That's not going to change. And the Talmud is chock full of times where the Talmud asks a question. Is this the meaning or that's the meaning? The Gemara says... When Eliyahu and Navi will come, he's going to answer the question. What do you mean? If, if the body of Jewish law is going to stop existing, who needs Eliyahu? Forget it. Cancel the whole thing. When Mashiach comes, we'll just study Kabbalah all day, and we don't have to resolve any of these questions. Yeah, thanks. And the final issue before we get to the answer is what does it mean that the Zohar said that in the time when the tree of good and bad rules, the sages are fed from the layman. Okay, so some rabbis are, are broke, they get their salaries from the community, fine. But there are many, many rabbis, many, many sages over the ages, who provided for themselves. Right, we know in the Talmud. Many rabbis. Huh? Hasandler. Sandler means he was a sandal maker, shoemaker. Rashi. Had a vineyard. Rambam was a doctor. Tons of Jewish sages provided for themselves without the help of other laymen. So what do you mean, when in the time of the tree of good and bad, the laymen provide for the sages? It's not true. So, okay, we have a litany of questions, all right? Almost 20 minutes into the class, and all we have is questions. The Alter Abbot gives one point, and he answers everything. He says, we keep on using these terms, tree of life, tree of good and bad. Let's go back to the biblical narrative, talk a little bit about that. You know, what happened? Adam and Eve, right? That's the story of the tree of life, the tree of good and bad. Adam and Chava created by Hashem. They're put into the Garden of Eden. One mitzvah Hashem gives them, just one. He says, you have a whole garden, eat any fruit you want, just don't touch the tree of good and bad. Don't touch that tree. And of course, that's the one tree that they touched. Right? They couldn't hold themselves back before you know it. They ate well. The whole story: the snake and Chava and Adam. Before you know it, they they uh, disobeyed Hashem, and the rest is history, as we say. What happened? I mean, there's many, many explanations to this really enigmatic story. But what, what, what happened? What what was the story of the tree of life, the tree of good and bad? What Adam created by Hashem couldn't control himself for two hours. You know, it says that if Shabbos would have set in, it would have been fine only because he ate it before Shabbos that was the problem. Couldn't control his impulses for three minutes. It's not a, a class on, on Bereshit, so I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but here, suffice it to say the following. This is a mystical explanation. The mystical explanation is that Hashem created the world in a hierarchy. There's levels. In Kabbalah we talk about four basic levels. Atzilut, Bria, Yitzira, Asiyah. It's progressive levels of less and less Divine consciousness, more and more self-consciousness. In the moment of creation, though, no matter how low the realms went, evil remained separate. It was there, like a peel to a fruit. Appeal to a fruit. In the end of the day, everybody throws away the peel, but the peel is there to guard the fruit. That's what klipa used to be. The word klipa means a shell, because it was exactly that. It used to be just a shell around all of reality. And Hashem told Adam and Chava, you guys are here in the lowest physical realm, you're going to do mitzvahs, you're going to do what I want, and you're going to repair evil that's in a realm outside of you. Because the evil existed. But you're going to completely transform it and make it great. But your actions are not going to be observable. You won't be able to see the result of your labor. So we know what happens when human beings can't see the result of their labor. No matter how passionate you are in the beginning, you go bananas after a while. You know that story, the famous metaphor of the guy who was uh, cutting wheat. He's a farmer. has to cut wheat for a living. And the local landlord was driving by one day and he observed this guy. He loved his swing. He had like a swing the way he did it. with Chopped the wheat. So he stops his wagon he asks the guy tell me i love the way you do that how much do you make a day he says if i'm lucky i make a ruble a day Guy says listen i love the way you you do this come with me to the place where i live and uh i'll pay you three times your salary times your salary what's the question i'm coming right after you gets on the wagon he comes to his place. And the next morning, he's all ready for work with a sickle. He says, okay, where's the wheat that I'm cutting? And says, no, there's no wheat. I just want you to stand in front of me over here and do your swing. Because I, I just love the swing. And I'll pay you three times. I thought it was a little weird, but again, you know, three three times the salary, it's, it's good. And he starts swinging. And literally after an hour, he, he says, I can't. I'm going back to my field. He says, what do you mean? I'm paying you three times. So he said in Russian, which means I don't see the work. I don't care how much you pay me, I don't see the work. I don't see the work. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I don't see the result. I can't keep it up. We have to know what we're doing. So Adam and Eve said to themselves, we have to at least know what we're dealing with. Okay, we don't want to become evil. We don't want to we want to keep evil, evil divorced, But We can't just not eat that tree. We have to eat the tree so at least we know theoretically. What evil looks like. And by the way, even today, some of us, we, we, we relate to evil theoretically. There are some things that are forbidden by the Torah that we don't do simply because we can't relate to it. There are some lusts that we have to control ourselves. We shouldn't do it, we really want to, but we control. Other things like, I don't even get it. Like Torah forbids eating insects. Personally for me, I don't get what's in it. So it doesn't, For me, it's a theoretical evil. I don't relate to it. There are other cravings that I shouldn't be doing. And there I want to do it and have to control But some things... So for Adam and Eve, that's what they wanted to know. They wanted to know good and evil. Just knowledge. Theoretical knowledge. Theoretical knowledge. The problem was, they didn't know when they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they also became good and evil. It crept inside them. And they became an embodiment of an entanglement between good and evil. Apparently, you can't really know it if you don't become it. And then reality was changed forevermore. That's why they were forbidden after that to eat from the tree of life. Because if they were eating from the tree of life after that, they would live forever and evil would live forever. Evil can't live forever. Evil has to die. So Hashem said, no more tree of life for you. You're leaving Gan Eden. But ever since that moment, the entire reality shifted. Whereas evil used to be on a separate realm outside of itself, a shell, it became part and parcel of everything. As the Friedrich Yebba, the Rebbe's father used to always say, there's no good without bad, there's no bad without good. I don't care how good you are, there will always be some imperfection. I don't care how bad you are, there's always some redemption. Some redeeming factor. That's how it is. The world became an entanglement, a mishmash of good and bad. And our job, the human mission ever since then became the mission of separation, disentanglement. Redeem the good from the bad. Find the perfect in the imperfect. Reveal, pull the curtains back, reveal Hashem in every part of the world. This is called classically in Kabbalah, Birur Hanitzotzot, refining the sparks. But the word Birur actually means clarity or separation. You know, on Shabbat, you can't do borer, you can't do uh, separating. Barur means clear. Because ultimately, when you refine the sparks, you clarify it, you create clarity. There's a clarity of the the, uh, dimension of good and the dimension of bad. What's holy and what's unholy, what's godly and what's ungodly. That's why we do mitzvahs. That's why we study Torah, everything. Everything became part of this mission of refinement. Mashiach comes when we're done. But for now, we're in the the clarifying stage. says the Alter Rebbe, Torah is our guide. Torah is our guide for life. Whatever Hashem wants us to do can be found in the Torah. So because the human mission changed, no longer is it living a life of perfection. Now it's living a life of entanglement and getting out of it. So Torah also had to shift. Torah also had to become occupied with disentanglement and that's why so much of the Torah is about defining what's permitted and what's forbidden, what's kosher, what's not kosher, what's pure, what's impure. Why? Because Torah is trying to help us on that mission. The human being has to look at the world and do, what, do the clarifying process. Torah will tell you what can be clarified, what cannot, you know, in Hebrew... The word mutar and asur, permitted and forbidden, has a very deep connotation. The word mutar means untied. Literally, it means untied. Things that are permitted are able to be elevated. Yeah, I I probably mentioned it once once before. And much earlier in Tanya, also we talked about it. Chapter 7 of Book 1. Mutar. Mutar means untied. It's able able to be elevated. A person eats food with a godly intent. The food becomes holy. A person eats food even with human intent, but then does holy things afterwards. You learn Torah, you do mitzvahs, you daven with the strength of your food, the food becomes elevated. On Shabbos even more so, the Alter says there's a mitzvah to eat. Because the whole world becomes holy, so the food itself becomes holy. The pleasure you have becomes holy pleasure. But only for things that are untied. Only for things that are refinable. Then there are things that are asur. Assur, besides for meaning forbidden, it also means tied. It's tied. These things cannot ascend. Not on Shabbos, not on weekdays, I don't care when. Some things that the Torah says don't touch. The way you clarify this is not by getting involved and making it holy. You leave it alone. Let it die from suffocation. Now let it die from the fact that no Jews are touching it. Certain foods, certain clothes. We stay away from them because they're essentially tied down in the possession of the Kalippa. They cannot be elevated. Sometimes they can, by the way, you know, if your, your life is in danger, Torah says you're allowed to eat certain non-kosher foods, the non-kosher becomes permitted. So there's a way. Doesn't mean we should go look and get sick and, and you know, get deathly ill so we can do it. But if you do, that's Torah's mitzvah. Life supersedes everything. Even then it's not total, by the way, because, you know, the, the Shulchan Aruch rules, if a woman eats on Yom Kippur, pregnant woman, Or a nursing woman eats on Yom Kippur, because she has to, and she's allowed to, she should. But she shouldn't nurse her baby afterwards. Or if she eats non-kosher food, same thing. Wait a while until it goes out of her system, then you start again. So there's some kind of an effect. But be that as it may, the bottom line difference is, things that are untied can be elevated, things that are tied cannot. And that's Torah's job. Torah tells us whether we can untangle something. If there's some light in it, we can redeem it. If not, not. Says the Alter Ebba, and here's the critical point, I think, which drives the whole letter home. There's a massive difference between being negativity and dealing with negativity. It says, you have something in the world that's kosher, not kosher. That's the tree of good and bad. Some things are good, some things are actually bad. The Torah which deals with that which is good and bad. It engages with the liar. It gets into the mind of the cheater. It tells you which sacrifices are good and which ones are not. That's not good and bad. That's the tree of life. The Torah retains its integrity all the way through. Laws of non-kosher food are very different than non-kosher food. Non-kosher food is actually bad. Laws of non-kosher food is holy. In mystical terms he calls it, it's the world of atzilut. You know, all of Torah begins in the world of at the highest world of emanation. It filters down into different realms, different parts of Torah. Filter down different realms. The Talmud is a level of Berea, intellect, because it gives you the reasons for all the laws. The Mishnah is Yitzira, which is the emotional world, because it gives you the rulings. You know, when the axe comes down, either you're feeling one way or the other. The Torah itself, the written Torah is the most veiled. That's why we can't, it's, so, it's such a riddle. We can't understand it because godliness is most concealed. It has the most depth also, but the most concealment. Torah takes on different forms. It gets dressed in different clothings. It helps us sort things out. But while it does that, it retains its integrity. So now all the questions come 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 back and are answered. If the, if the body of legalese in the Torah retains its integrity, and as a matter of fact, that's the whole, the whole reason we exist. That's all we're doing. It's helping us in our job of refining the world. So of course it's a tree of life. And of course it's holy. On par with everything else. Not only is it on par, it's more important. The sages who learned all day shouldn't stop for davening because davening is going into Kabbalah, to the world of light. The legal Talmud keeps you in the world of sorting out good and bad. Keeps you focused on your purpose. That's so why Rabbi Shreem Yochai dealt in the cave with all of that stuff for so long. Because that's where Hashem was in today's day and age. As a matter of fact, al says that's the meaning of the sages getting fed by the layman. We're not talking about physical income, we're talking about spiritual sustenance. You know, some sages, they lived with the light. They had access to things that were beyond the current reality. They didn't see good and bad. It was like the temple wasn't even destroyed for them. So you would think that maybe they can say, you know, I'll retreat into my corner, I'll do my thing. Let the rest of the world struggle. I'm already past that. Says the Zohar in the time when the tree of good and evil rules, I don't care how big of a sage you are, you get fed from the layman. That means your access to godliness is only through what the layman are doing. The rest of the Jewish people are in darkness. The rest of the Jewish people are sorting things out. You have to sort things out too. You could be as great as Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. When you're in the cave, what are you learning? Not Kabbalah, you're learning Halacha. Because the path to Hashem right now is through refinement, is through sorting out. And that's al Rebbe's distinction. When we say when Mashiach comes, the tree of good and life of good and bad will no longer rule. It means not that the Torah of good and bad won't apply. The Torah of good and bad certainly will apply. The good and bad themselves are gonna are gonna hold no sway. They're gonna have no influence. But the Torah of good and bad is super good. Matter of fact, Al Rebbe says, and this is one of the parts of the letter that the Rebbe would always quote. Every single Jew has a part of Torah that he has to uncover that's never been revealed before. Some novelty, some answer to some question that you can give that nobody else has ever given before, will not give after, and it's your contribution to the Torah. In the morning we say, give us our portion in your Torah. That's what it means. Every person wants to find the portion that belongs to him or her. Therefore, every person must study and must Create novelties, be mechadish. say chidush in Torah. Every person has to contribute something new to Torah literature. Your soul knows what it is, it's according to the level of your soul that the Altir Rebbe says. Your soul knows. Some people have to write books, hundreds of books, tens of books. For some people, it's one answer to one question. But when you answer a question, you remove a curtain, you remove a veil that the klipa holds over reality. That's our way of elevating our sparks. And that's what every single Jew has to do nowadays. But only nowadays. This is all the Torah of Golos. When we're done sorting everything out, and the Shekhinah is able to ascend once again and exit its exile, and Mashiach comes, the purpose of Torah will shift once again. Now it's not going to be about refinement. Now it's going to be about adding light. In the Kabbalistic form, li'ached yichudim, just to create more supernal unions. Torah is not going to be about accomplishing something, but simply about accessing godliness. And that's what it means we're only going to learn the Zohar when Mashiach comes, we're only going to learn the inner body of Torah. Well, we're not going to have any more of the, of, of, uh, of the revealed part, of course we will. The Altareba says what's going to happen is we are going to become smarter, we're going to learn the revealed parts of Torah once, we're never going to forget it again, we're going to become masters. We'll have to reference it every time it comes up. If we slaughter with the wrong knife, if a woman gives birth, it's all going to exist. But we're going to be masters of it. All of our time, all of our attention, all of our focus is going to be on the light of Torah. The Kabbalah of Torah. The part of Torah that's just about Hashem. Out there, posits. The Efshar, he says, it could be that we may not even need to learn the regular body of Torah, we're going to know it all through studying the inner dimension of the Torah. And there's precedent for it. Avraham Avinu, it says, kept the entire Torah. But he had the whole Shulchan Aruch, there was no code of Jewish law yet, how did he know what to keep? So Kabbalah explains that he knew it through Kabbalah. He had access to the inner workings of creation and he knew what Hashem wanted intuitively. So we'll do the same. We're going to learn Kabbalah and we're going to know what Hashem wants intuitively. out there that adds that there may be some people that are going to be left in the dark even when Mashiach comes. That's why the Zohar ends up. When Mashiach comes, it's going to be, the inverse will be true. The sages will feed the laymen because the laymen are going to be some of those Jews who wouldn't, hadn't graduated yet to the level of only seeing the light. They're going to need actual refinement even when Mashiach comes, at least in the first era. Death will be among them. Ritual impurity will be among them non-kosher sacrifices will happen to them and they're all going to be fed through the sages who have access to the Torah's light and ultimately they, will, they also will graduate, such that in the end the entirety of the Torah of Mashiach will be focused only on, like the Zohar says, on the Zohar which essentially means the inner dimension, the esoteric part of the Torah So the Torah of today is the Torah of clarification of sorting out the Torah of Mashiach is the Torah of light and the final point that I want to conclude with is the overlap. The Altar Rebbe says that it's not just when Mashiach comes, it's going to be poof, know, we're all going to learn the Zohar all of a sudden. We're going to start tasting it before Mashiach comes. The Arizal writes that in early days, Kabbalah was forbidden to be spread. But in later generations, not only is it permitted, it's a mitzvah, to study Kabbalah and study Chassidus. And the Rebbe would always say that, you know, some people think, The reason that we have chassidus or or access to inner dimensions of the Torah nowadays is not because we deserve it, just because we need it. We're living in such dark times that the only way to combat all the negativity is through understanding the inner workings of creation. Says the Rebbe, based on this letter, it's apparent that the access that we have today, like never before, to Kabbalah and chassidus is actually a precursor to the coming of Mashiach. Because when Mashiach comes, that's what we're going to do all day, Our whole perception will be focused on what can we understand deeper about Hashem, access to more and more of the divine light. So we start doing things now. Whatever we're awaiting, we try to imitate in the beginning. Make some form of preparation. Every time we study Chassidus, we're preparing for Mashiach. That's why it's so important to study Chassidus. That's why we do these classes. We're studying Tanya. Every time we study Tanya and we gather together here, we're preparing ourselves for Mashiach. And Be'zerat Hashem, indeed, we will merit that through learning the Torah of Mashiach, at least in a semblance, an inkling of the way, we're going to be able to get to Mashiach's times and actually have the Torah of Light, the Torah of the Zohar, which will lead us to the Geula with Mashiach. Now, L'chaim! <laughs>